Well, good morning and welcome to Luke 418 Fellowship. We are excited that you are here. If you're a guest today, there are cards in the seat back pockets. We would encourage you to fill that out, put it in the offering play, uh, the offering boxes on the way out the door, just so we could get a record of your attendance and follow up and give you more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. A couple of announcements as we begin today. Uh, Grief Share begins Monday, uh, this Monday at 1.30 in the youth room. If you know somebody who's gone through the loss of a loved one, this is an amazing study that will help you process that grief. Please come and be part of that. If you need more information, call the church office. And um, Monday, March 6th at 6.30 in the youth room is our Grand Monday Nights, Grandparents Ministry. So if you are a grandparent and want to be influential in the ways of the Lord, this is a wonderful uh, opportunity for you to find encouragement for others that are investing in the lives of their grandchildren as well. Well, last week, you hopefully were part of our missions conference at some point. Uh, We had a wonderful week uh, talking about our opportunities and our new partnerships, and thank everybody for being part of that. One thing we did not share with everybody last Sunday, at the Go table, there's a small sheet like this, and you can pick this up if you're interested in going on one of our trips. This outlines the opportunities to go and serve in South Asia, in Zambia, in Alaska, and New Orleans. Now, some of these have dates and some do not have specific dates, but if you're interested in in participating or your small group or your community group would like to go and serve in New Orleans, we can create opportunities, a specific date for you and your group to go and encourage that ministry. Otherwise, the trips are going to be listed on there, and if you're interested in that, you can see me, call the church office, get your name on that list, And I'll follow up with you when the time comes to be part of that. Speaking of our Alaska trip, this summer in July, we already have our Alaska team. And on the go table, there's actually three pages. There's 39 individuals who have already signed up, paid their deposit, and they're going to Alaska. I invite you to pick up one of these and pray for these families, pray for these individuals that are going And I also invite you to give towards these individuals. Every one of them is trying to raise money to go on this trip. If you want to give money to send one of these people or or several of these people, you can do that uh, with an offering envelope. Make the check out to Luke 418. Put their name on the outside of the envelope, not on the check. Write Alaska on it, and you will be helping them go and serve the Lord in backyard Bible clubs, in parks in Anchorage, Alaska, the first week of July. So I invite you to go to the Go Table, pick those up today. And uh, if nothing else, please, please, please be praying for this team, our first team going to Alaska that goes leaves out on um, June 1st. All right. Well, we are excited to begin our worship today with baptism. And Matthew Jacobs is going to lead us in that. Well, good morning. It is always a great morning that we get to celebrate as a church when we get to celebrate students and our kids being obedient to God and God's calling on their life. And so the first student we have this morning to baptize is Mary Cockrell. Mary and her family have been coming here for years. And a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night during an invitation, Mary came back to me and said, I've grown up in church. I know all the right answers. I know all this stuff. But I don't have God. And I, and, I, and I want God. And uh, we prayed that night that Jesus would forgive her 
and come into her life. And so, Mary, have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Amen. We're married upon your profession of faith. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism. Raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. And also this morning, we get to baptize Sadie Blake Jacobs. A few weeks ago, Sadie Blake was explaining the Trinity to Ellie Grace, our middle. And Sadie Blake was explaining the role of the Father and was explaining the role of the Son. And I said, baby, what about the Holy Spirit? And she said, daddy, the Holy Spirit lives in the life of believers like you and mommy and not me. And I said, well, Sadie, you know, we can talk about this whenever you want to talk about it. And she said, but you know what? The Holy Spirit, I feel, has like been stinging me lately. And I asked her, I said, what, what do you mean by that? She said, Dad, I feel like the Holy Spirit keeps telling me that I need to repent of my sins and ask Jesus to save me. And so that night, me and Shelby got the privilege of talking about that with her. So Sadie Blake, have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Amen. We're upon your profession of faith. I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. What a great way for us to start service this morning and celebrating people being obedient to God's call in their life. So let's pray and turn our hearts towards worship this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for Mary. God, I thank you for Sadie Blake. God, and they're just obedience this morning. God, to know that they need you. God, as all of us need you. God, I pray this morning, God, as they have made this public to us at Luke 14, God, that they have trusted in you as Lord and Savior of life. God, they've asked you to save them. That God, we, we celebrate that as a body. But God, I also pray that we feel the urgency that God, baptism and salvation is not the end. That God, we, we as a body will wrap our arms around them and disciple them and mentor them, love on them, encourage them, and pray for them. God, that, that is our charge as a church. As we celebrate this, we know this is just the beginning of a life focused on worshiping God. So God, I, I pray today as we, we continue in our worship service today, God, I pray all of our hearts can say that we know you. God, then we can truly sing from the overflow of our hearts to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. That's what it's all about. Uh, I was getting emotional over there seeing a father baptize his daughter to follow Christ. I pray that she would grow in wisdom and in stature favor with God and also with man. I pray that over all of us because we are the family of God. We're being built up as living stones into a spiritual house. If you're a guest with us today, we'd love for you to fill out the card that's in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Put it in one of those offering boxes in the back so you can get a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. But right now, it's time to worship the Lord. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you welcome somebody and we will sing together. Let's sing together. Here we go. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. 
He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Sing it out. Because he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. And we were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing that again. Because we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Shout it out. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Amen. Before we keep going today, I just want to let you know that uh, there was supposed to be a drum solo in that song. Uh, but our drums have not turned on. If we could have one of our uh, our tech people come on up, check on that uh, drone to make sure it has power. That'd be great. Guys, I don't know if you've known this, but since January 1st, we have sung a new song to the Lord. Every Sunday. Look at that. Look at God, you know. We have sang a new song to the Lord. So many 
great messages are being written still today, right? And that was one of the newest ones. We're going to end today with another new song. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. There are plenty, 10,000 reasons for us to praise the Lord today. Chief among them, that Christ was crucified, but He didn't stay dead. Rose from the grave. We have His righteousness now. And that allows us to sing. Are you excited about that? Amen. Let's sing all creatures of our God and King. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden their creator bless let all things their creator bless and worship him with humbleness oh praise him hallelujah praise 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 the father praise the son sing this out
may be seated as we continue in worship today. Amen. We can rejoice in that, that one day we will see Him face to face. But until then, we count our many blessings, name them one by one, together as the family of God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. And bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His voice. your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to Amen. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul. I'll worship Your draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore bless the Lord bless the Lord oh my soul oh my
worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. Oh, I will worship Your holy name. I will worship Your holy name. Amen. Heidi, will you lead us? I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe. Broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time, I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the
from the darkness into glorious light. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are amazed by your grace. Amazed by the way that you looked on us. So those people are worth saving. Those people are my children. And though they have sinned, I will provide a way. We're in awe that you gave not just something, but your one and only son for us. We are thank you. We thank you so much for his example, for his life, the way that he treated others, the way that he showed love, the way that he stood up in righteous anger against what was wrong. And he gave us a way. Lord, today we pray we would never take that for granted. And I pray that we would know that there are people, men, women and boys and girls in Mobile, Alabama that need you. I pray that we would see this task that is unfinished until you return. And that you would bless our work. That you would give us good things to do together as the family of God. That we would go to all the world. That we would go to the United States. And that we would go to Mobile, Alabama. We love you. We trust you. Lead us on today. Amen. That drives us to our knees A need that undiminished Rebukes our slothful ease We who rejoice to know Thee Renew before Thy throne The solemn pledge we owe Thee To go and make Beside thee, hold their unhindered sway. Where forces that defy thee, defy thee still today. With none to heed their crying for life and love and light, unnumbered souls are dying and pass into the night we go to all the world with kingdom hope and furl no other name has power to save but jesus christ the lord we bear the torch that
just finished, or today kind of finishes, our missions conference 2023. Um, You know, it's been incredible to see that all four of the partnerships that we have in the nation and the world were able to be here with us. Last Sunday we had South Asia, and we also had Zambia here in the room with us, and then this Wednesday night we had Alaska here with us, and also New Orleans. And I just want you all to know that Brother Randy worked really hard on this past week, and I am so thankful to Brother Randy for all that he did, and let's just let him know how thankful we are. I would have him come up here and share a few words, but then I wouldn't be able to uh, have time at the end. Uh, But I am so thankful for Brother Randy, and believe it or not, I'm so thankful your bus broke down 16 years ago. For those who don't know, that's how we met each other, was through his bus breaking down and him coming to me saying, where's your youth pastor? And I was like... I am the youth pastor. Listen, today we're going to kind of close up this missions week, and I'm going to be looking, we're going to look quickly at Acts uh, chapter 1, and mainly verse 8, but we're going to be in verse 6 through 11. We're going to be talking about going in Christ. Now, I could preach on this passage for months. Today, I'm going to shortly and briefly speak on some of the things the Lord is just putting on my heart in this passage, and then I'm going to share with you, as many of you got the letter, that I'm going to share today about the vision, direction that the Lord has been putting on my heart. Somebody asked me, they said, David, are you nervous about sharing today? I said, no. Um, when, when, when it's God's work, it, it, it's really easy. And I will also say this. This is something the Lord has put on my heart for six years. And so in some sense, I'm excited to share with you today. For I've been holding that in my heart for six plus years. Let's go to the Lord, or let's go to the Word and read, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. It says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 11. It says, So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time for you? Is Is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Here's verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. 
After he had said these things, he was lifted up. And while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood before them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, and listen to this, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into the heavens. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, Lord, we're just overwhelmed by your goodness, by your mercy, by your grace. Father, we're overwhelmed by this passage that has called us to be your witnesses here on this earth. Father, we're overwhelmed by the work that is going on throughout the world as we heard about it this week. But Father, most of all, we're overwhelmed by who you are and that we can call you Father. Now, Father, today I pray that you would speak in and through me. And Father, as I speak a vision and direction that you've placed on my heart, I pray, Father, that we would all hear what you are speaking. Put me on the front row, O God. Let me also listen to what you're speaking. And Lord, let me walk in obedience of your scripture. Now, Father, I thank you and I praise you. We give you all glory, for it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. So we're going to look at three quick points today in this passage of Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11. Now this is the last command, the last statements that Jesus gives to his disciples before he ascends. Literally, right before he ascends, he gives these last statements. And the first thing we're going to see is this command that Jesus gives. In verse 8, it says, You will be capital my, my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Now think about this for a minute. Jesus is telling the disciples that you're going to be my witnesses to those around. Now, this idea of witnesses, we kind of understand it from the court of law. When people testify or speak to what they saw or what they had seen, they are called an eyewitness. One who saw what took place and now is speaking to what has taken place. Jesus is telling the disciples here, hey, you're going to be my eyewitnesses. Now, what is the eyewitness? Yes, it's to his life, but ultimately to his resurrection from the dead. Remember, Jesus appeared to them. He showed himself. He, he spoke with them. And he said, you're going to be the eyewitnesses that you have seen me, the risen Lord. Now, as Jesus is calling the disciples to be his witnesses to the resurrection, we must recognize that ultimately when they're speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're sharing the gospel. See, the gospel is this, that Jesus, the Son of God, stepped down from heaven and was born to a virgin. Now, as we've shared before, that is extremely important. You can't have the gospel without the virgin birth. If Jesus would have been born of a man and a woman, then he would have been born into sin. But because he was born of a virgin, he was sinless, the sinless lamb of God. He lived a sinless life. He died the death, not that he deserved, but he died the death that we deserved. But death couldn't hold Jesus down. Three days later, he rose to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Now, can I just stop here and just 
uh, just go down memory lane for a moment. Man, when I was a kid and, and even into high school, we uh, at my home church, Cottage Baptist Church, had a play called Golgotha. How many of y'all went to Golgotha back in the day? Let me just tell you, I loved Golgotha. Every time they kind of took it from a different point of view, uh, we would look at it from different ideas, from, from different people, and, and kind of, but there was always the resurrection scene. And I tell you, I loved it. I was sitting in the audience, and I couldn't wait for it. All of a sudden, the, the timpani started to play, and, and the ground was beginning to shake. The tomb rolled away, the smoke and, is coming forth, and the light is beaming out, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking out of the tomb. Now, I just want you to know, I've been to a lot of SEC football games. I won't say what team, but I've heard a lot of cheering and excitement, and people going crazy for their team. But I haven't experienced anything like when that scene of Golgotha, when Jesus came walking out of the tomb. Listen, church, the place went just crazy. People shouting and cheering and up on their feet. Why? Because greater than any football game where where one day they win, the next day they lose, we're watching the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is the undefeated champion of the world, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Jesus is sending his disciples as eyewitnesses to the fact that he's no longer in the tomb. And newsflash, nobody stole his body either because he rose victorious from the grave. See, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if we don't have a resurrection, we have no gospel. Let me just say that again. If we don't have a resurrection, we have no gospel Paul speaks this, he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, your faith also in vain. Moreover, we even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify, we witness against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sin. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He continues on in verse 19. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all men most to be pitied. Oh, but then he says in verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who who are asleep. Church, Paul tells us in this passage, if Jesus had not risen from the dead, then we have no gospel and your faith is in vain. He has given them this this commission to go and be eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. You say, David, what about us? We We haven't physically seen Jesus in the resurrected body. Well, we also see in Scripture that Thomas struggled with this. It says this in John 20, verse 25 through 29. It says, so the other disciples were saying to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprints of nails and put my fingers into the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples 
were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. And he reached here for your hand and put into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Jesus said to him, Because you have... I'm sorry, I I skipped a part there. Thomas then, what is Thomas' response? He says, My Lord... And my God, Thomas got to see, right? He got to see. But look at what Jesus says in this last verse in verse 29. Jesus said to him, because you have seen, you have believed. But blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Church, you are a witness of Christ when you truly believe and trust that God's word is is true. When you say that this is the absolute truth and it says that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and so therefore I believe, you are called to go and share and witness to the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. Now there's a difference in the court. The court of law, you have the eyewitness who saw it. Then you have the expert witness. Let me just share with you what an expert witness is. An expert witness is an expert witness as a person with extensive experience or knowledge in a specific field or discipline beyond the um, expectation of a lay person. The expert witness duty is to apply their expertise to give a professional opinion to the tribunal of the court on a particular matter. Church, can I tell you that we are expert witnesses when we truly believe the Bible? We're called to share and be his witnesses. But can I tell you, you're not just simply an expert witness, but you're also an eyewitness. And let me tell you what you're an eyewitness to. The transformation that the resurrections had in your life. Church, people can say to you, I don't believe the word. They can say to you, thank you so much for sharing with me the witness about Jesus Christ, but I don't believe in the truth of this word. But let me just tell you, they can't say anything against what you have seen in your life. I love what Brother Ed used to say. I know I'm a born-again believer because the life that I have lived, I never could have done in my own power or my own strength. What Brother Ed was saying is that I have seen eyewitness to the resurrection power in my life. And to God be the glory, it's not me. Church, we're called to be witnesses First of the resurrection and then of the transformational power of the resurrection in our life. I once was dead. Now I'm alive. I once was running for the flesh and now I'm alive in the spirit of God. And I go, I do the things uh, of Christ and of the word. Why? Because I've been transformed by the gospel, by the resurrection. As I continue on, we see that there's a command But then we see that there's power to live out that command. Look at what it says at the beginning of verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can I just tell you, I'm so thankful for this verse because it tells me that I don't have to go and be a witness in my own strength. Can I tell you I've done that before? And it is not a good thing. The word power there, many of you know, is dynamite, explosive power. You know, we see throughout the scripture, and just 
to be kind of quick here, I want to show you a few things where the Holy Spirit gives us power in sharing and being a witness for Christ. Now first, we see in Luke 12, 11 and 12, that the Holy Spirit gives us the words to speak when sharing the gospel. Church, the Holy Spirit gives us the words to speak when sharing the gospel. Jesus is saying, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not worry about how or what you'll speak in your defense or what you're able to say or what you're going to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are to say. I can't tell you how many people say, I just don't know what to say. And I'm like, you've got to trust the Holy Spirit power in your life. Dynamite, explosive power. You can't do it in your own strength. Trust the Holy Spirit. We also see, and I'm just giving you a few. I tell you we could spend days on this. But we also see that the Holy Spirit power makes us alive to be that eyewitness of the transformational power in our life. Romans 8, 10 through 11. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. Church, when you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're filled with the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live the transformed life. Too often we try in our own power instead of dwelling and delighting and abiding in Christ. It's through that dynamite power that has brought us to life through the Holy Spirit that we bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? And so on. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that the transformed life is lived. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have everything that we need for life and godliness in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Church, we must recognize that God has given us the power to be an expert witness, one who speaks God's truth through the Holy Spirit, and He's given us the power to be an eyewitness to the transformation of the Holy Spirit in our life. And listen, this is a command of Jesus to all of us to go and be that witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be very careful here. Oftentimes, when you go through a missions conference week like we did, some people will leave with condemnation instead of conviction. Let me explain that to you. Sometimes people come away from a missions week and they, they feel that condemnation that they're not doing enough. Or that... They're, 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 just not, they're just not focused enough. And they, they say, okay, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. The problem is, is that condemnation brings about a legalistic spirit. Now, let me just say it again. Condemnation brings about a legalistic spirit. Conviction of the Holy Spirit will lead us to repentance and abiding and dwelling in Christ. You know, I've said this many times. And the Lord just kind of rocked my world a few months ago thinking about this and missions. But if you want to share the gospel more, if you want to be more intentional and be a witness for Christ, what you don't need is I'm going to, I'm going to work up more, I'm going to do more, I gotta, I gotta, what you need to do is abide. When you abide in Christ, you will find that the overflow of the Spirit in your life leads you to share the gospel with those around you. It will be the overflow. Think about this for a moment. Think about Paul. 
excuse me, Peter. Peter was a fearful man, wasn't he? He denied Christ three times. But then Jesus tells him, he says, you go and wait, pray, wait until the Spirit comes upon you. So they're praying. They're praying. They're praying. And all of a sudden, Pentecost happens. And what happens? He is filled by the Holy Spirit. And what does he do when he's filled by the Holy Spirit? He doesn't say, all right, now I've got to work up some things. I've got I to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do No, he just stood up and began to speak the gospel. The Holy Spirit, the overflow of the Spirit in his life, he stood up and he began just simply saying, hey, men, let me share with you what has happened. And 3,000 came to faith that day. Because of the overflow of the Spirit in his life. Now, one of the things that our desire of, of partnering with, with different places across the, the nation and the world is that when you get out of your comfort zone, you recognize your need and dependence on the Holy Spirit. That when you come back to Mobile, that you say, hey, even though I'm comfortable in Mobile, I still realize my need and dependence on the Holy Spirit, that the overflow of the Spirit in my life would lead me to be Christ witnesses all throughout our city. Church, there's a third thing that I want to share with you quickly. We see the command to be His witnesses. We see the Holy Spirit as the power within us to do that. But then we see God's sovereign plan. We see God's sovereign plan. He says this at the end. He says, you'll be my witnesses in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. God's plan, through his son Jesus' death, burial, and praise God, resurrection on the third day, his plan is to use his creation to take the gospel all over the world. Let me just say that again. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's plan, His sovereign plan, is to use His creation, that's you and me, to take the gospel to the remotest parts of the earth. We see here that His plan is to use His creation to take the gospel to the nations. That's the whole world, right? We see here that it's God's sovereign plan to take the gospel to our nation, America. Let me just tell you, we also see here that it's God's plan to use His creation to take the gospel to our city. Now you may say, David, we just need to go to the nations. Or you may say, David... We only need to go to Mobile. What are we doing going to the nations? And I would tell you that either of those views is missing what the Word of God is saying. What the Word of God is calling us to do is to go wherever we are. As you are going, be His witnesses. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. Church, we must recognize that Jesus has given us a call for our city, the nation, and the world. You can't take one without the other. We are called to to, to continue throughout the world sharing the gospel. But let me just tell you, the place that you spend the most time is Mobile, Alabama. And so where should our central focus be? Obviously, where we're spending all this time. 
But God may be calling some of you to go and live in another country to proclaim the gospel. He may be calling some of you in this room, those who are going into college soon, to, to pick a college not based on your excitement level of, hey, this is Alabama or Auburn or Troy or, you know, but here's a location that God's called me to be at in order to be a witness on this campus for the gospel. Those coming out of college, as you're looking to jobs, maybe people in the room are looking for jobs. God is calling us to, to, to be in his plan where we go for that job because it is our purpose at that job is for us to be a witness for the gospel. Oftentimes people say, well, I'm going to choose a job based on my needs, my wants, my, you know, it's, uh, I got a better offer here or I got a better offer there. What we need to say is, God, you're going to provide no matter where I go. Where do you want me to be for the gospel? Because he's called us to take the gospel It's his sovereign plan. And can I tell you, it's an honor, a joy, and it is exciting to me to know that God has called us to be part of his plan of reaching the world. It's not an obligation. It's not painful. No, it's a joy that the creator God of the universe would say, hey, I want the redeemed to be part of the plan of taking the gospel throughout the world. Two verses that I want us to look at quickly, and that is 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10, that show us that God has called us to be part of this plan. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you might what? Proclaim. So that you might be a witness. So that you might give testimony that you will proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you from darkness into His marvelous light. Church, do you see that? Because we are God's own possession, He has called us to proclaim to others that He has called us from darkness into His marvelous light. We also see in 2 Corinthians 5, And in 2 Corinthians 5, I'm just going to read to you the whole passage, 17 through 21. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Let me remind you, what is an ambassador? One who is in a foreign land doing the work of their homeland. Church, we're in a foreign land. You know how I know? Because I hear people complain about it all the time. Oh, you know, have you seen what's going on? Yeah, I have. We're in a foreign land. Welcome. We're aliens. This isn't our home. Now, some of us get frustrated because we think, okay, well, we're we're here for a long time. We want to enjoy this. Yes, but I get that. But let me just tell you, this is not our home. We're ambassadors in this land to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you get focused on where you're going, you ain't going to be complaining about all the stuff going on around here. When you say, hey, there's a day coming that I'm going to be 
with my Savior face to face for all eternity. And after 10,000 years, it's like I just began. Or we can say, oh, this place is awful. Church, we've got to recognize that we're ambassadors. This is not our homeland. Yes, we are citizens of America. Yes, we want this country to thrive. Yes, we want revival to break forth in this country. But the reason I want revival to break forth in this country is not for my comfort level. It's for the kingdom of God to grow. He continues on, he says, we are his ambassadors for Christ as though God is making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And I love the last verse. It says, he, who, uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, how exciting is it that God has chosen us to use us for his plan, for the gospel to go forth throughout the world? Will you be a witness? Will you be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Will you be a witness to the transformation that has taken place in your life? And as you grow in Christ, will you go in Christ throughout the world? As you abide in Christ, will you yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the overflow in your life, to be a witness? Church, we have a great call, but we have a great God, an amazing God who has empowered us to live out that call. Today, I told you that I'm going to share the vision and direction that the Lord has placed on my heart. I shared with you in the letter this past week that the vision goes so much further than simply getting some needs met. This vision will help people know Christ intimately, grow in Christ daily, and will help them to go in Christ throughout the world, but particularly here in our city. You know, I want you to think about this for a moment, but oftentimes in the American church, we focus on our comfort. And so we want more comfort and we grow in knowledge. But here's what the Lord's been putting on my heart, David. If we're not going, then as a brother in Christ says, then we just sit, soak, and sour. But we're called to sit, soak, and serve. We're called to go. So as I share with you today this vision that the Lord's put on my heart, and I will do my best to be out by 1145, but just know this is a unique day. So I pray you'd bear with me. I believe that this is God's direction for Luke 4.18. And it helps us go outside of the walls of the church house. As I share this vision, I want to kind of just give you an overview of the last three years. This March, I have been your pastor for three years and two months. It feels like five days. In January 2020, Brother Fred and I transitioned, and we didn't realize that in three months we were going to have a worldwide pandemic. Brother Fred told me, he said, David, come to me. I've heard all the questions. I've seen it all. I came to him three months later. I've never had a worldwide pandemic, David. Don't know what to do. Can I tell you, 2020 was a year of, ever change, of an ever-changing landscape. 
We didn't have time, as Luke 4.18, to transition. All we could do was hang on. There was a point in my pastorate at Luke 4.18 that I had spoken more to an empty room than I had a full room. But can I tell you, as difficult as 2020 was, I can't fathom going through it with any other people. Y'all have encouraged me. Y'all have walked with me through the storm. There's a lot of things that I had no clue what to do. But all I knew to do was to get on my face and cry out to God. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what, how you walked with us through those days. 2021, I thought, was going to be this year of coming out of COVID, and quickly it turned into a year of mourning. As our dear brother Fred passed away at the beginning of January 2021. Just a few months later, or just a month later, Brother Ed passed away. And I want to tell you that our church spent months in mourning. Can I tell you that it hit me harder than I ever realized? I'll never forget the day that I walked in here right before Brother Fred's celebration of life and to see him in that casket. I just fell. I just couldn't handle it. But I had hope because I know that he is with Christ for all eternity. Now, I believe Brother Fred and Brother Ed are up there just saying, keep going, keep going. That great cloud of witnesses has really changed in my mind of what that looks like. You know, that year was a year of mourning, but at the end of 2021, it turned from a year of mourning to a year of rejoicing as I encouraged the church to pay off the debt. And just a day or two before the end of the year, the debt at Luke 418 was paid off. Can I tell you that that was through God and through the gracious giving of our people. God did it in and through each of you. So I told y'all that 2022, I was going to start praying and I would share with you about the vision, the direction. And as you can see, now we're 14 months later. But 2022 was an incredible year of partnerships as we had our first international mission trip with group from Luke 418 over to Zambia. And I had an opportunity to do a vision trip in Alaska and also in South Asia. And, and we're going to be sending people to both of those places in 2023. 2023 has began with this incredible year of growth and, and going. Life action, what an incredible time of renewal. And then our missions conference that just took place. I rejoice in all that God is doing. So one of the needs that we had, and I shared with you back in 2021, I told you, I said, listen, we need to pay off the debt, but it's not just simply to be out of debt in the, in the fact that we're, we, we also have to move forward. There are some things that we need. I told you, we need youth space badly. We need parking. We need a place for fellowship. And we also um, are, are running out of rooms for life groups, which is one of the reasons why I am encouraging constantly for people to start community groups. Why? Because how many houses are reflected in this room? That's how many places we have for a community group. So in early 2022, I began the process with our trustees, kept it a small group because I told them, I said, listen, we got to know where we're going before we put together a building committee or any of that kind of stuff. And in 2022, we met with different surveyors, contractors, to see what we could do with the land that we own behind us. We have four acres, four or five acres behind us. We recognized that there's a steep grade. We recognized 
that, uh, that that may present some problems of where a building could go. And we also wanted to know what's going to be the cost with that steep grade and all those different things. After doing that, one contractor gave us an incredible idea. And that was, instead of building a building back there, let that be the parking. Because of how the grade works and all this stuff, that would be a lot cheaper route. And you could build a building where our back parking is and have it as a central location. It was a great idea. It would give us a lot of things that we wanted. It would uh, give us permanent space that would... um, it would allow us to have a fellowship hall. It would allow us to have youth space. It would allow us to use the current offices as more of like life group spaces so that it would, because uh, we would have an, a different office in there. It was amazing. Like I, I, I was excited when I saw the pictures and thoughts and just what we could do and turning the back into uh, parking. It would give us enough parking because we have four acres. That's a lot of parking, right? But then there was one negative. The cost. How many of y'all have noticed that inflation's real? So after them coming up with this amazing plan, they told us that the cost would be somewhere around $8 million. I heard that. This was about middle of the year of 2022. And at first I was like, okay, well, if it's $8 million, this is what we need. We just, we just got to figure it out. But immediately the Lord began to put a check in my spirit. Immediately the Lord said, David, hit the brakes. And so I went to our trustees and I told our deacons, just kind of keeping them up to date. I said, listen, I just want you to know that I wanted to share with you. This is July, August, around that time. I said, I want to share with you, but I can't. The Lord has told me to to, to put a pause on things. And can I tell you, church, y'all have been amazing in the fact that y'all have been praying for us and not pressing us of, well, when, when, when are we going to know? When is that going to... I haven't had anybody ask me. Maybe, maybe one that was just wondering about just different things that was going on, but it had never, I never felt pressure to bring something to you immediately. The Lord gave me that check in my spirit. And so we, we, we hit the brakes. And then the Lord gave me this word. He said, David, think outside the box. Think outside the box. That word kept coming to my mind. I met with our trustees. I said, guys, we've got to think outside the box. We've got to say, uh, you know, we could build a building, but the building's going to sit there for five days out of the week. That's a lot of empty space. What are we going to do with it over those other five days? One of the reasons why I love community groups and the idea of being in groups off-site is that those are rooms that are being used every day and now being used as a life group area. So as we began to pray, the Lord reminded me and rebirthed a vision and a dream that I had six plus years ago. Six years ago, I shared with James Shore, and I really don't know who else I shared with, but I think it was just James Shore and probably Brother Fred at the time. I said, you know, there's a Young Life building right over here. And I said, I wonder if we could partner with them for youth space. Now, for many of y'all know that Young Life is a uh, parachurch ministry that works with students, youth. But it just never kind of came to fruition. It never, we never had the opportunity to ask that question six years ago. So as 
I was dealing with this $8 million idea, I asked Martin to inquire with the people who owned that property just about if they were even interested in, in selling. Come to find out, the family was just in the process of talking with, of listing that property. I know, God's so good. And so, the little details, right? And so, we talked with them, and, but we found out that the family doesn't want to just sell a piece of it. They actually wanted to sell all the land. And so we began to look at the land and look at the property, and we realized, one, that there's instant use space. Two, there's a lot of flat land for parking. Three, there's access to Cottachill Road. Four, there's 14 acres of available, incredible outdoor space. There's also a large barn. There's also fields. There's also two other buildings that could be used for other ministry purposes. So we began the process of asking the Lord to show us if this was what He wanted us to do. I'm going to ask that you would show the the, the slide for me now at this point. I want you to see the red dot is Luke 4.18 Fellowship. That yellow line there is our property with the property to the left. That blue star is where the old church that has been turned into a youth area has been created. You may recognize that up at the front, all the way up here in this front corner, can you all see over there in the very front corner, is that green building that used to be a nursery on Cottage Hill Road. Y'all see the CVS over here? And then this top part up here is the barn, the house, and the horse farm area, or the fields where all the horses are over here. Church, here's what I love about this property. It's absolutely beautiful. My heart in this property is not to erect buildings. It gives us student space, it gives us parking, but church, it gives us 14 acres that we could, through a, a team together, I'm not going to speculate, I'm not going to, as Randy uses the word spitball, I'm not going to just, just, you know, throw things out there because you'll begin to say, well, that's what we're doing. I, I don't want you to think that, but I do want you to hear this. It gives us 14 acres to design outdoor space for us to use and for our community to be a part of. I found out of a church down in San Antonio that has six acres and has done this, and they said the community is constantly using it. Outdoor basketball court is very inexpensive to put together, but you build a gym and a building, it's very expensive. Fields that are open for our our children. Right across the way, we can put up a large playground for our kids and also for the community. Think about this for a minute. People don't often come inside of a church building, but they'll come to a park. 
They'll come to 14 acres of beautiful oaks and outdoor space. You say, David, what about, what about the fellowship space? Well, great, great thought. And the Lord has put on my heart that we could put up an outdoor gazebo where we could have fellowship space. You say, David, that, that doesn't give us the comfort of air conditioning. I get it. And during the summertime, we wouldn't necessarily use it constantly, but we have a great fall, winter, and spring here. So instead of building a building that has a fellowship hall that sits five days out of the week, we have a nice gazebo that we can use and the community can also be a part of. You say, David, there's some issues to that. That means that we may have to have people serve in helping with some of those things. Absolutely, it creates an great opportunity for our members to serve and can I tell you that when people from the community come during the week you have the opportunity to invite them to come to worship you have the opportunity to speak truth into their life you have opportunity to build a relationship with them church the other side of this and and not something that I want to dwell on but the good thing about land is that if we ever are in a position where we can't keep all of this or something, you can always sell land, but you can't sell a building. That's not our heart. That's not our desire. But at least it's there. It's more of an asset. There's also two other buildings that we have opportunity to figure out what we would use those for. If we built a building, it would take us about a year and a half to two years to complete If we purchase this, we're looking at 90 days. So the big question, well, what's the cost, David? That's a great question. To purchase all 14 acres of land after getting an appraisal and also talking with the family is $2,875,000. Church, let me just tell you, for $2,875,000, we get so much more than a building would ever give us. For $2,875,000, we get 14 acres of land, an opportunity to reach our city even more, and use space, parking, and the possibility of fellowship space, though it may be like Camp Grace, right? That pavilion there. Many of us have had fellowships there. You say, David, it's hot. I get it. That's just during the summertime. We've spoken with the family, and the family has, at this point, um, has shared with us that if the church votes next week, I want you to spend a week in prayer. Wednesday night, I'm going to answer any question and every question that you may have. We're going to take the whole hour for that. I want you to pray over this, and we're going to vote. And if we vote, the family has already said that, you know, that basically, pending a vote, we're, we're under... Uh, we're not necessarily under contract, but we are. Like It's ours if, our, if the church says yes. Now you may say, David, how are we going to pay for it? Well, first off, we have 90 days or so before we would close, probably a little bit longer than 90 days. Um, well, that really just depends. I believe in 90 days we can pay it off. You know? You know, I was thinking about this. I got to tell you all, praise God for your reaction just there. Because I was thinking in my head, when I told the church that I think we could pay it off in 90 days, I thought there would be like this big laughter. But there wasn't. 
But you know what the Lord reminded me as I was praying about this? Is that Sarah laughed when God said something. I truly believe, church. I truly believe that we can. Not because of us, but because of who our God is. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. It's all his. Now you may say, David, what if we don't pay it off? I understand that. And I, uh, the finance committee, they're, they're, they're working on ideas and thoughts and plans. And there's things that, that we'll, we'll share with you in the days to come about some of that. But we don't have to get into all of those things today because we've got 90 days. Next week, we're going to have a time to, uh, to vote. We're going to have a call business meeting next week. That's what the letter gives that two-week notice for you. And we'll have that opportunity. Church, I see this as an incredible opportunity to create a space that we need, but a space for the community. That we could be witnesses in our city even the more. That we could show our city, hey, we love them, and this space is open. You're welcome to come. Yes, we're going to have to put some rules and, and things together in order to make sure that, that um, just, y'all know what I'm trying to say. But what an incredible opportunity. I truly believe a piece of property that large, a piece of property that's right there at Schillinger's, excuse me, at Cody, Solly, and Cottachill has not been purchased in all these years because God had it for Luke 4.18. And so church, it may be different than what you thought, but I can tell you that after six years of holding this in, I'm excited to share it with you. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in the days to come. Brother Fred always said, the days ahead are as bright as the promises of God. Church, this is an opportunity for us to meet our needs, most of our needs, and also to go in our city and to be a mission right here. I'm going to pray, and then Brother Aaron's going to come up and uh, oh, I forgot to tell you one other thing. Sorry about that. Um, as I shared with y'all, uh, when we paid off the debt, we've also had surpluses. We do have right now around $450,000, on hand. And you say, David, that's awesome. So that, that goes, we can put it towards that number, but we're going to need some finances to get some of it uh, up into working order. Now, it's not going to be an $8 million project. But there are things such as creating a road over here to the youth space and things like that that we've got to, to do. But I want you to hear that we have right now, uh, right at around a half a million dollars that can be used towards this project. And even last year, when the debt was paid, and I never spoke another moment about it, there was over $50,000 given last year to Joshua. Now right now, the Joshua Fund is still called Joshua which I still like that idea because what did Joshua do? They went into the what? The land, the promised land, right? If the Lord's putting on your heart, now listen, we're going to pray throughout this week, we're going to vote next week, but if the Lord's putting on your heart and you say, David, I want to give towards that over and above, then you can, you can put that in the Joshua. It goes directly to any type of project that we have. How many of you in this room could see yourself utilizing that just even personally just coming out one day and just enjoying how many would just see yourself i'm telling you i really believe that this is the lord's vision the lord's direction i'm gonna go to the lord in prayer and aaron's gonna come up and we're gonna sing as we're dismissed okay